Welcome, friends, to the Earl Dex Pokemon Podcast, a podcast that asks, if this Pokemon were real, where might I find it in the real world? What would its moveset and ability be in the wild? Does its data even make sense? I am your host, Geo, and in answering these questions, we'll be discussing the real-life plants, animals, myths, legends, people, things, and even foods that inspired the Pokemon we know and love. It should be noted that we will be using data coming from the core series of games almost exclusively, venturing into the anime, spin-off games, or manga only when absolutely necessary to fill in some blanks, if at all. For our seventh episode, we'll be discussing some fun guys. <laughs> I promise I won't make that joke every time we do a mushroom Pokemon. Numbers 755 and 756 in the national decks, Moralol and Shinotic. Last week, we focused a lot on the idea of haunted forests, and while Moralol and Shinotic wouldn't be out of place in one of those, I even suggested Moralol might be comfy living in or on a Trevenant until it evolved, they would probably be more at home in an enchanted forest. While they might sound similar, and enchanted forests certainly have a tendency to be dangerous in and of themselves, an enchanted forest is not necessarily an evil or haunted place. The Norse, for example, believed in the Mirkvjör, or Mirkwood, a mystical forest which separated the various lands of the world. J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings, took the name Mirkwood for one of his many enchanted forests, perhaps the most infamous of which being Fangorn Forest, where the Ents dwelled and the hobbits Merry and Pippin met Treebeard. Even today, we continue to see enchanted forests in our modern culture, with the Forbidden Forest of the Harry Potter books being a place of refuge for some of the more dangerous and wild magical creatures, and the Lost Woods of The Legend of Zelda being a place of fairies and sprites. So we can see that while enchanted forests certainly have their perils, they aren't inherently evil places, just places you'd want to keep your guard up and your wits about you. Let's keep that in mind as we dive into our amalgamated dex entries. Moralol, the illuminating Pokemon. It lives in damp, dark places that stay dark even during the day, and scatters spores that flicker and glow around itself. As it drowses the day away, it nourishes itself by sucking from the tree roots. Pokemon living in the forest eat the delicious caps on Moralol's head. The caps regrow overnight when it awakens and wanders off in search of a new tree. When night falls, the spores filling the caps of its mushrooms glow. Anyone seeing these lights falls into a deep slumber. Even though they're dangerous, nighttime tours of forests where Moralol live are popular. There is a surprisingly large amount of information on Moralol for a Pokemon so relatively recently introduced. As it is based on a bioluminescent mushroom, Moralol naturally prefers a dark environment and mushrooms, among other fungi and molds, are most at home in dank and moisture-rich environments. So it all checks out there. However, as Moralol is an animate creature that can move and think and act for itself, Moralol's apparent place in the ecosystem is an interesting one. It scatters spores that flicker and glow around itself, and these draw people and perhaps Pokemon in, while also causing them to fall asleep. 
This is a pretty strange defense mechanism since most defense mechanisms involve warding away unfriendly eyes, not drawing them directly to you. A possible explanation for this behavior comes straight from the anime, in which Marlol is trying to sap Ash's energy, but Ash just keeps eating as much and as quickly as possible to keep his energy up. This may be why forests in which Marlol dwell are considered so dangerous. Being drawn in and put to sleep by a Pokemon that feeds off the energy of living creatures sounds like predatory, or at least parasitic behavior to me. Despite this possibility, the Dex does go out of its way to specify that it sucks nourishment from tree roots specifically, so maybe we're being a bit paranoid. Finally, we have the strange detail that anyone seeing its mushroom caps glow will be put to sleep, but somehow Pokemon love to eat those caps, so do they just not see the caps they're eating? It sounds to me like the perfect treat for a Zubat. However, having its cap eaten is apparently not harmful to the Moralol, as it seems to be able to grow it back daily. This is a kind of symbiosis called commensalism, a one-sided symbiosis in which other Pokémon benefit from eating its cap, and the Moralol is neither helped nor harmed from them doing so. By contrast, Moralol engages in a different kind of symbiosis called parasitism, when it actively harms other Pokémon in order to feed on their energy. So this is what I meant about the interesting place Moralol holds in the Pokémon ecosystem. They are a reliable source of food for other Pokémon, while simultaneously preying on or parasitizing other Pokémon. Moralol is tied with about 28 other Pokémon as the second smallest Pokémon in existence, standing at a mere 8 inches or 20 centimeters. That makes it about as tall as a typical yellow banana, although it weighs a relatively hefty 3.3 pounds, 1.5 kilograms, three times as heavy as the banana we just compared it to. It's unclear whether or not these dimensions include the mushroom caps on its head, since those are apparently completely detachable and edible. Shinotic the Illuminating Pokémon. Forests where Shinotic live are treacherous to enter at night. People confused by its strange lights can never find their way home again. It emits flickering spores that cause drowsiness. When its prey succumbs to sleep, this Pokémon feeds on them by sucking their energy through the tips of its arms. If one of its kind is weakened, it helps by sending it vitality. When it starts fighting for territory with Parasect, the entire area gets completely coated in spores. Shinotic clears up some of the vagaries found in Moralol's dex entry. Shinotic is much more explicitly a predator who actively seeks prey to lull to sleep so that it may drain their energy. While it isn't said to prey specifically on humans, the implication certainly seems to be that wandering into its forests at night is a great way to accidentally wander your way onto its dinner plate. In that way, Shinotic is fairly similar to any other large predator in the real world. Lions and tigers and bears don't really make a habit out of hunting humans for food, but it is still fairly unwise to wander into their forests. That being said, where other predators tend to eat their prey and therefore necessarily kill, it is much more ambiguous whether or not encounters with Shinotic are fatal. 
Does it really sap your energy to death? Or does it just take as much as it needs and then leave its prey to fend for itself, lost in the forest and drained of life force? My money is personally on the latter. Neither Moralol nor Shinotic are ever stated to be particularly malicious. And while fairies and folklore vary greatly on the level of harm they are willing to inflict in the course of their mischief, few brazenly seek the death of their victims. The other interesting tidbit is that Shinotic has a rivalry with Parasect for territory. These epic battles leave areas covered in sleeping spores, which seems like it could be potentially harmful for Pokémon and people caught in the crosshairs. Without spoiling too much about Parasect for a future episode, this seems to give greater credence to the notion that the insect part of Parasect is not in control, and that it is fully the mushroom on its back that is in control of Parasect. Mushroom-on-mushroom mushroom rivalry seems much more likely than bug-on-mushroom rivalry, after all. We'll be sure to revisit this when we get to Parasect somewhere down the line. While Shinotic looks like it would be pretty small, it's not necessarily losing the size battle against rival Parasect in terms of reach, as the two Pokémon are roughly the same size at 3 foot 3 1 meter tall. Though weighing in at 25.4 pounds, 11.5 kilograms, Shinotic is only half as heavy as Parasect. Given that the two fight primarily with spores, however, the sheer size of the lads is probably not at all that relevant. Putting rivalry aside for a second, one of the crazy things about Shinotic's dimensions is the sheer size of its mushroom cap. If placed on its side, it looks as though it would be roughly the same height as Shinotic's main body underneath, and the cap itself makes up nearly a full third of its height. Simply put, it doesn't seem like this kind of mushroom should be able to stand on its own. And yet, believe it or not, the largest living thing on the planet isn't a blue whale like you may have learned in middle school. It isn't some giant sequoia tree either. It's not even any of the dinosaurs that once walked the earth millions of years ago. It is a single colossal fungus covering 3.5 square miles in Malheur National Forest in the American state of Oregon. That might sound fantastically impossible, and surely you just scoffed at me because you're sure you would have known if there was a 3.5 square mile mushroom cap towering over the forests of Oregon. But to understand how this is possible, we need to know a bit about how mushrooms work. The mushroom caps you see on the surface aren't really the main body of the fungus. They're more like the fruits of a tree or a bush. And much like trees, their roots go much deeper into the ground and spread into vast networks called mycelia. The humongous fungus, as it is called, is therefore less a single colossal mushroom cap and more like the largest naturally occurring network of mycelia in the world. Because this network is essentially completely underground, you could be forgiven for not immediately noticing it. But if you see some honey mushrooms growing in Malheur National Forest, there is a chance you're standing on the largest living thing on Earth. While that's all well and good, it doesn't necessarily prove that Shinotic would be able to support its own weight, so maybe we should be looking for the largest actual mushroom cap on Earth. And for that, we go to Macrokybe Titans, whose caps usually grow to sizes between 8 to 50 centimeters across, or up to roughly 1.5 feet. That doesn't sound like much, but that's just the average. The largest of these guys can grow up to a full meter across, 
just over three feet, which is roughly on par with Shinotic's dimensions. Admittedly, Macrokybe Titans are also thicker in the trunk, to more reasonably support such a wide cap than Shinotic's fairly slender frame, but the fact remains that in real life, a mushroom cap really can grow to over a meter or a yard across. Apart from being large, neither the humongous fungus nor macrokybe titans really resemble or feed into the biology or lore surrounding Marilol and Shinotic. So we'll have to dig a little deeper. Most bioluminescent fungi are in the fungal order Agaricales, also known as guild mushrooms for the distinctive gills underneath the cap. Much like the striped skunk is what most people think of when they think of skunks, guild mushrooms are what most people think of when they think of mushrooms a single stalk with a rounded cap on top. More specifically within that order of mushrooms is the Mycena family, which includes over 50 species of bioluminescent mushrooms. This natural phenomenon is commonly referred to as foxfire, chimpanzee fire, or most provocatively for our purposes, fairy fire. Many of these mushrooms can be quite beautiful, with Mycena rosea, commonly known as the rosy bonnet, and Mycena chlorophos, which glows in eerie green, being among my favorite in researching for this episode. But when taking into account lore, biology, and aesthetic resemblance, I had to settle on Mycena haematopus, also known as the Bleeding Fairy Helmet. Okay, that name is mildly upsetting, so we can go by one of its other nicknames, like the Bleeding Mycena, the Bloodfoot Mushroom, or the Burgundy Drop Bonnet. While Burgundy Drop Bonnet is delightful to say, and the rest are varying degrees of upsetting, I'm afraid I'll be referring to Mycena haematopus as the Bleeding Mycena from now on, just because it's the most succinct nickname. It may sound grisly, but the Bleeding Mycena is aptly named. It may not have the kind of blood humans and animals have in them, but the Bleeding Mycena does bleed a red latex when cut or broken. While they aren't known to grow in fairy circles, don't release sleepy spores, and are apparently fairly bitter in taste, I'm still going with the Bleeding Mycena because the bioluminescence is clearly the most important aspect of Morilol and Shinotic, after the sleep-inducing spores, something which just plain doesn't exist in real life. I was also unable to find any overlap between bioluminescent fungi and mushrooms that grow in fairy rings so it really does seem like the Bleeding Mycena is our best candidate. Having identified our real-world influence, I can tell you now that if you wanted to find a Marilol or Shinotic in real life, you're in luck if you live in Europe and North America, where they are most commonly found growing in the stumps and decaying logs of deciduous trees. Though, you might also find them in the forests of Venezuela and Japan. Beyond bearing a slight resemblance to both the caps on Morilol and Shinotic, the Bleeding Mycena is weakly bioluminescent, to such a degree that it may not be visible to the dark adapted eye. This fact actually works well with the lore, as someone whose natural night vision hasn't kicked in yet might see the Bleeding Mycena, follow the light deeper into the forest, and lose the light altogether once their eye adapts to the dark. And while perhaps not as immediately obvious as other factors, the way the mushroom grows and matures parallels the transition from Morilol to Shinotic as well, 
The younger caps have a conical shape to them, as seen on Moralol, which opens up and flattens out as it matures, until it is more like the cap of Sheenotic. And for you word of the day enthusiasts out there, the fully mature bleeding Mycena will also develop an umbo, spelled U-M-B-O, umbo. An umbo is the raised area on the center of a cap similar to a mammalian nipple. In fact, if the umbo is slight enough that it resembles a human areola rather than a more pointed tip, it is called a mammalit umbo. When we consider the tiny bump on Shinotic's cap, it doesn't much resemble a human nipple as it is a bit more rounded, so we must call Shinotic's cap broadly umbonate. Yeah, bust that information out at your next cocktail party and see how many blank stares you draw. Of course, unlike Stunky or Corefish, Moralol and Shinotic aren't based on a single plant or animal, but born of multiple influences, including the Will-O-Wisp and the Fairy Ring. We touched on Will-O-Wisps briefly in last week's episode, but just as a refresher, a Will-O-Wisp is light seen usually at night without an obvious cause or source, something akin to a UFO, but for light. The phenomenon is known throughout the world, and so is a common source of folklore in a wide variety of world cultures. Many American cultures, from Mexico to Argentina, and even on the Caribbean island of Trinidad and Tobago, regard them in some form or another as witch lights. In Europe, and especially Britain, they are sometimes called fairy fire, or pixie lights that lead people into mischief or doom depending on the storyteller. And in Japan, they are called hitodama, which translates to human soul, though they are also associated with kitsune, the various foxes of Japanese folklore that possess paranormal abilities. Kitsune are prominent in Japanese folklore, which is why there are so many fox-like Pokémon in the national decks. While these foxes might have any number of special abilities, generating fire or light is a very common one, which is where we get Ninetales, but it also plays into a remarkable coincidence. I mentioned earlier that one of the names for bioluminescent fungi was Foxfire, but that may not have anything whatsoever to do with Japanese folklore, and everything to do with a borrowed word and a faux pas of pronunciation. The story goes that the fox in Foxfire may have come from the French word faux, spelled F-A-U-X, meaning false. An English speaker with no knowledge of French phonemes may have read the word as folks, and so a little blunder becomes an accepted term for the phenomenon. The association between foxes and fire in Japanese folklore seems to be purely coincidental, according to this particular etymology. The connection between mushrooms and fairies is strong all around, and one of the reasons for this is yet another phenomenon involving fungus already mentioned numerous times throughout this podcast. Fairy rings. Fairy rings are an interesting little natural phenomenon in which mushrooms tend to grow in a near perfect circle. The reason for this is something we have also already touched on. Much like with the humongous fungus of the Malheur National Forest, fairy rings tend to be connected by the root like mycelium under the ground, making the fairy ring essentially a single circular organism rather than individual mushrooms sprouting in a perfect circle independently of each other. As with will-o-wisps, 
This is a natural phenomenon seen all over the world, and as such, there is an overwhelming amount of collected folklore. Some say it is the site whereupon fairies or elves danced in a circle. Some say they are gateways to the fairy realms. Some say it is a curse to step into them. Others say that doing so will bring about wealth and good luck. Some say the only way to investigate a fairy ring is to run around it nine times, going in the direction of the sun, under a full moon, and then listen for the sound of fairies dancing underground. But running around it a tenth time spells certain doom. As I said on last week's podcast, folklore is a curious thing. We should remember that when selecting abilities and movesets for the Pokémon in our Earl decks, we aren't looking to create competitively viable or even cohesive battle strategies, but rather to create a facsimile of what the wild Pokémon might do left to its own devices in the wild, according to the information found in its deck entries. I say this because I am about to foist the most useless of three abilities onto our fungal fairies which hurts given how much more useful either of its other abilities are. We'll start with Effect Spore, which causes an opponent making physical contact with Morilol to become either poisoned, paralyzed, or asleep. Then there's Rain Dish, which allows a Pokémon to heal a small amount of HP in the rain. Both of these abilities are very useful in their own ways, but we are going to select the third option, Illuminate which increases wild Pokémon encounter rates when it is first in the Pokémon trainer's party. While Rain Dish doesn't make sense because neither Morilol's nor Shinotic's caps are concave and would therefore make terrible dishes, Effect Spore would seem to be the clear winner, but there are two marks against it. One, the Dex only ever makes mention of Morilol's and Shinotic spores putting people to sleep, and never mentions the ability to poison or paralyze. And two, there is an abundance of information that Morilol and Shinotic are bioluminescent and are that way very specifically to draw attention to themselves and lure in prey. So while it doesn't help Morilol nor Shinotic in battle at all, Illuminate is a core function of their place within their ecosystem. As the Illuminate ability already accounts for Morilol's bioluminescence, We'll focus its moveset on achieving two things, putting Pokémon to sleep and draining their energy, and regrowing its mushroom caps, which are apparently eaten almost daily, and grow back quickly. For the latter of these two, we'll have to go outside Morilol's natural move pool and dip into a move it can only learn through breeding, growth. In the past, I've called this cheating on my part, but this time, I feel pretty well justified in this selection thanks to some information from Shinotic's deck entries. Shinotic has a rivalry with Parasect regarding territory, and it is stated that these battles for control of an area leave the battlefield covered in spores, while Pokémon, even plant-like Pokémon, are implied to mate for procreation and then lay eggs. It is still possible, at least by Pokéworld standards, that much like in real-life fungal mating, the production of Shinotic's eggs may involve the transfer of spores, and as Paris and Parasect do learn growth naturally, we have a fairly logical explanation for the prevalence of the move growth in young Morilol. 
the good old tried and true enemies to lovers trope. The remaining move slots are significantly more straightforward. Sleep powder to put an enemy to sleep and strength sap to drain its energy. Strength sap is Moralol and Shinotic's signature move, which heals them by the same amount as the target's attack stat and cuts the target's attack by one stage. This leaves one move slot left for Moralol, and we think it's important to ensure Moralol be able to defend itself from rival Paris. While it can't learn any fire or flying type attacks that would give it the upper hand in such a contest, we can at least allow Moralol to hit for normal damage with the same type attack boost. In order to hit Paris, Moralol will weaponize its natural glow with the fairy type move, Dazzling Gleam. So, we've got growth to grow back its cap, sleep powder and strength sap to prey on other Pokemon, and Dazzling Gleam to strike back against rival Paris. Shinotic changes remarkably little in its evolution from Moralol, and this will be reflected in the moveset we select for it. It retains the Illuminate ability to draw in wild Pokémon, but as the Pokémon has become stronger, it is only natural that it upgrades Sleep Powder to Spore, which has a 30% higher effective rate. Strength Sap remains Shinotic's signature move, but in order to more effectively fight off Parasect, we will also need an upgrade from Dazzling Gleam. Instead, Shinotic will have the more powerful Moon Blast attack to really make the full use of its glowing light powers. Finally, we will have to assume that, unlike Moralol, Shinotic does not regularly have its cap eaten, and therefore does not need to constantly regrow it overnight. To start with, the cap is comically large, and would take either a lot of Pokémon or a really, really big Pokémon to eat it in one sitting, let alone a single bite. Plus, the dex does not reiterate that Shinotic's cap is used in this way. We may be able to assume that any Pokémon that makes a meal of Shinotic's cap has less a commensalistic relationship as Moralol does, and more a predator-prey relationship. Instead, the dex informs us that Shinotic can transfer some power to others of its kind that may be in trouble. Unfortunately, Shinotic cannot learn the obvious moves to support this, like Heal Pulse or Life Dew so we'll have to get a bit creative. We'll recall that the mushrooms we see sprout out of the ground are not the full fungus, but that the full fungus is the root-like mycelia under the ground that connects them to each other. Recalling this, I propose that Shinotic could use the move Ingrain to similarly spread its mycelia to others of its kind, connect with them, and in this way provide them the energy they might need. And so, Shinotic's moveset is complete with the combination of Spore and Strength Sap to feed itself, Moon Blast to ward away Parasect, and Ingrain to help out other Moralol and Shinotic in a pinch. Having learned a bit now about Bleeding Mycena Mushrooms, Moralol, Shinotic, and really mushrooms in general, we can now see what the Earl decks would have to say about these Pokémon in real life. Moralol, the Illuminating Pokémon Moralol engage in both commensalistic and parasitic relationships with the forest around it, as its cap provides food for some Pokémon, while it uses Strength Sap to feed itself on others. Together with Shinotic, 
it uses dazzling gleams and moon blasts to ward away rival Paris and Parasect. Shinotic, the illuminating Pokémon. Shinotic have the ability to use Ingrain to heal others of their own kind. This has led to speculation that Shinotic are all disparate parts of the same Pokémon. Its spores are more effective than Moralol sleep powders, and they frequently mix in heated confrontations with rival Parasect. And with that, we conclude our exploration of mushrooms, particularly the Bleeding Mycena, Moralol, and Shinotic. Thank you so much for listening. 16 down, at least 914 more to go. I have been your host, Geo, and next time on the program, we're swapping the great outdoors for the dessert menu, as we look into our first food-based Pokemon of the Galar region, numbers 868 and 869, Milsery and Alchemy. See you then.